Well, this is Richard C. Wilson at the Family Office Club. Today we have with us Skip Welcome, Skip. Thank you. Happy to be with you. Sure. And this is going to be one of our investor mandate interviews. And uh, first of all, Skip, what type of investment firm or investment organization or type of investor uh, are you and where are you based? We're an angel group. We're the largest angel group in the state of Michigan, in fact. Um, we're based in Ann Arbor or at least that's where my office is, but uh, we have uh, members from all over the state. Uh, in fact, my primary residence is about 230 miles from Ann Arbor. Uh, I work from home as well as the office. And um, like I said, members from all over the state, we invest all over the state. Okay. So uh, what does your angel group invest in? And what do you not invest in? We are geographically focused on the entire state of Michigan, but it's a large state from Houghton to uh, Detroit. Uh, it's about the same distance as Detroit to Washington, D.C., so it's a lot of geography, but it is limited to the state. We only do tech companies that have, uh, you know, can scale, have high growth potential, but we're industry agnostic. We'll do life science. We'll do um, uh, mobility, uh, IT, of course, uh, all of that. So uh, how strict is it on the statewide in terms of what if they have – you know, four office locations and one is in Michigan, or they have to have their whole team in Michigan or the founder in Michigan. How, how do you navigate that while people are applying? Yeah, it's pretty simple. The headquarters has to be in Michigan. They can be a Delaware C Corp, of course, but they have to have their headquarters in Michigan. The CEO needs to be uh, in Michigan, majority of employees in Michigan. Sure. Uh, so that's our criteria. Okay. And then what's the number one thing that your angel group is looking for that, um, you know, you, you're always saying to each other, well, if we could find another investment, like that number two investment we did last year, you know, we would do those all day long. What's, what's kind of that low-hanging fruit in your guys' minds for one that's easy to get done with you? Well, the easy ones that get the most uh, interest and most investment are the companies that already have some kind of revenue. Uh, the product's already on the marketplace and they're selling it and they seem to be ramping up, but they're still very early. They may be raising their first private equity round, they may have already mm -hmm. raised some, some convertible debt, but they, uh, this will be their first maybe seed round. Okay. Uh, that's what we're looking for to get in fairly early, but at least a real company. Sure. And there's a couple hundred angel groups such as yourselves. And um, I know a lot of people are trying to figure out how to best navigate the angel world. Obviously, we just heard it helps if somebody is, you know, revenue with a real team and, a, you know, real traction already. We know that helps a lot. What would be your other best suggestion for someone who's trying to access maybe an angel group in Texas or Connecticut? Uh, everyone's got instructions on the website, submit your materials, we'll respond if we care about your materials type process usually. Um, but in, mm -hmm. in your case with all of your experience, how do you kind of cut through that and make it to the top of the pile and get somebody's attention? Maybe if you are earlier stage or maybe if it doesn't look beautiful on the surface, but you think you've got a really good idea that should be backed by an angel group what's a trick or a strategy you could share uh as an entrepreneur for the entrepreneur yes, yes yeah. yeah uh i think they just need to be uh, nice and tight with their messaging and they okay. need to make it in plain english one of my pet peeves is acronyms where they know what the acronym is, is but i have no clue um yeah. i want to know what they do in simple english so i can understand it and then I want to be able to understand how they're going to go to market, how mm -hmm. they're going to disrupt GE, IBM, General Motors, 
et cetera, uh, or the status quo, which is usually sure. the biggest competition. Uh, they've got to have a clear understanding how to do that. And then we want to know on their financial forecast that they've really thought through what the growth is going to actually cost them and how much capital they're really going to need. Right. Yeah. I think uh, your first and last points really stand out as huge ones. So many times I see, uh, oh, you're doing 200,000 a year in revenue last year, and then you're going to do 5 million and then 40 million, and everyone's going to have yeah. 10 million EBITDA company, right? It's like everybody's yeah. projection, like, uh, I know Damon on Shark Tank was like, oh, well, I project I'm going to look like a superhero next year. You know, so, you know, I can project anything I want. And, you know, the first point. And then after the investment, then after the investment, the numbers go down. Right. Oh, it's a challenge. (laughs) Our one salesperson got fired. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) And uh, your first point about keeping things tight and concise. We've been beating that drum very hard. That's why we're doing this investor mandate, you know, in seven minutes. It's why we read off one liners at our investor summits and, you know, I almost think maybe I talk about it too much, but it's just such a common complaint of investors. They get these essay long emails. Nobody can summarize what they're doing in a sentence. And no one has a one minute video from the founder articulating their strategies. You can see that it's a professional human being who understands what he's doing and or she understands, et cetera. So um, that's great. I love those those points you brought up. And then and what, what the about entrepreneur for, doesn't, well, what the entrepreneur also doesn't appreciate in that regard is mm-hmm. that it is a reflection on them and how much they really know and can they run a business uh, if right. they can't articulate it. And if they don't know what their competition is doing and they don't know what you're looking yeah. for as an investor, that just says a lot about them as well, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so, uh, so important. And then what about for an angel investor listening to this who maybe is not part of an angel group yet or maybe they're part of one or two or maybe they run one and they're a peer group of yours somewhere uh, what would be like a hundred thousand dollar piece of advice that you could provide that would, uh, you know, allow them to avoid burning their money on a bad deal or avoid wasting time or help them on due diligence? Maybe maybe a big insight. You yeah. Have. Well, I think a lot of uh, family offices in particular uh, do this on their own, and that's why they don't join groups. They think they know, and many of them do. Uh, sure. They know what they're doing. They know what they're looking for. They know how to do diligence. They know how to structure deals. And they want to kind of do it on their own. And, and in some cases, they're even willing to do 100% of the funding, which is fine. Uh, but the reality is, I'm going to guess 80 plus percent of all early stage companies that get investing, it's a, the funding is syndicated. It comes from a variety of sources. It right. may include a family office, but it includes one or more groups as well as some individuals. So the money saving element is share diligence particularly the lead investor, whoever drafted that term sheet, whoever signed off on that, that person I'm assuming probably did more diligence than anybody so far anyway, and they need to be willing to share that diligence. That'll save you a lot of time. That saves you money. Right, right. Yeah, that's great. I mean, a a collective group, you know, someone's going to think of other questions that are smart, hopefully, and document those and build out a data room. And then, um, you know, I found that if you if you have someone who's bringing you due diligence and they're incentivized on the capital raise, it doesn't mean as much, but if you go to some independent person who's sold a business in that niche and then they jump in and do due diligence, then that means a whole lot more obviously. And yeah, you know, they can really add a lot of convictions. That's a great one. Yeah. I think um, you're talking more about structures and more about due diligence is a big goal here in the family office clubs. I appreciate you bringing that up. I feel like we can't talk about those two things quite enough to kind of round out what investors are looking for. So appreciate that. Especially uh, these terms, uh, terms, et cetera. They're changing. 
uh, fairly often right now. And, you know, different right. people are looking for different things. And um, keeping up with that is can be a challenge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We talk a bit about um, gross revenue royalty deals within revenue positive companies versus a traditional mm-hmm. convertible note or something of that nature. And uh, we're going to be doing a webinar next week on structures to that point. And we have um, angel investor discussion panels, uh, virtual investor discussion panels coming up. And then, you know, real world events, once we're allowed to host those again, uh, we have angel investors that come and speak on some of those. So we'd be happy to have you come as our guest to one of those events and share some additional thoughts on stage so that uh, our audiences can learn from you. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Skip. Appreciate it. All right. Take care.